All right, it looks like that time. Uh, so let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, we praise and thank you for this day. As you send your Holy Spirit upon us in this uh, time of conversation, that you may open our minds and our hearts to your grace, to your love, to your mercy. That you may help us to enter into prayer in our lives, that we may know your goodness and your love, and it may continually transform our hearts and help us on that journey on the path of holiness. May you send your Holy Spirit upon us to comfort us, console us, and direct us, and may our lady intercede for us in this time. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Thomas, Lord, pray for us. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. In the name of God, the Son of the Holy Spirit. All right, well, thanks everybody for coming out, for being here. And, uh, and thank you for all of you who sent. Can you hear, like right here? Because sometimes the fourth and fifth row, they tell me it, it's hard to hear me. Can, any, can people understand me okay? All right. Um, and so thank you for those who sent in questions on Flocknote. Uh, some great questions, and I'm going to... And I used those questions to form um, this kind of talk to answer those deepest questions that we have about prayer. And in some of them, um, there was a... I recognize the need to like kind of form the foundation so that we can understand prayer. And so at the, so I've kind of got it laid out and I think it covers all of the questions that were asked. Uh, at the end, I have the questions here, so I'll just make sure that I've covered them. And obviously we can uh, field questions as well if you have some that come up throughout the, the talk. The uh, the thing I notice most, and I think is on everyone's heart as we're trying to understand what prayer is and to grow in our own prayer life, is, um, you know, it seems that sometimes there are prayers that we ask for that aren't answered in the way that we uh, would have preferred, right? That's kind of the thing that we hear a lot in, in the, or that we think a lot, or that it comes across. And I think when we look at that, that question that is in the depths of our heart, that the important part is to kind of begin to understand who is God, right? So the first kind of a point that I'm going to talk about today is, is kind of theology. And you're like, oh, Father, but we wanted these practical things that you were going to give us for prayer. It was like, this is going to be very practical in the end, all right? Because theology is the study of God. And if we're going to understand prayer, we've got to know who it is we're praying to. And how does he work in this world? Because uh, that's going to help us to kind of deepen our own understanding of prayer and to enter into a prayer life. So who is God? And I'm going to use a few quotes from the Catechism and then kind of expand on that. Uh, because... They really, it really gets to the point of what we need to understand as, on who God is. So the Catechism says in the uh, paragraph 27, which is at the beginning of it, 
And this is where the... Did you ever think about where does the catechism begin? Do you think in your mind, like if you haven't looked at it in a while, like, well, it probably begins with all those things that tell you what you can't do, right? I mean, that's kind of what everybody else thinks about Catholicism. It's a bunch of rules about stuff you can't do. But the catechism starts with desire. Look at it the next time. The catechism starts with desire. Not only our desire, but God's desire. And it says this, and it says this about us to begin. The desire for God, the desire for God is written in the human heart because man is created by God and for God. And God never ceases to draw humans to himself. Only in God will we find the truth and happiness that we never stop searching for. That's our deepest desire, right? That truth, that happiness that we're always searching for and it's written into our very heart by God because it's meant to lead us back to it. Now, the dignity of man rests above all on the fact that he is called to communion with God. To communion with God. The invitation to converse with God is addressed to us as soon as we enter into existence. It's because God, the fact that we exist, uh, I never tire of saying this, the fact that we exist is because God created us out of love. You wouldn't be here if God didn't love you into existence. And he's created us out of love, for love, and through love he holds us in existence. And so we cannot fully, uh, he cannot fully, he cannot live fully. That is, we cannot live fully according to truth unless we freely acknowledge the love that we were created by and entrust our hearts to him. So this is the definition of prayer that we want to work from, that we are called to communion with God. We are called into a relationship with God. And so prayer, simply put, is a conversation with the one who loves us. Think of it in, the, in terms of your own relationships in your life, right? Do, when you first met a person that you love in your life, um, what did you do a lot of? You talked, right? <laughs> Isn't that the thing, when, especially whenever you see, like, uh, uh, I remember when I, you know, had my first girlfriend in high school or whatever. And it's like two hours on the phone every day. Oh, I think about that now. It's like, man. Uh, you know, and that was back before you had like call waiting and stuff. So it's uh, everybody's trying to get a hold of your parents and, and they're picking up the phone. Get off the phone. But you, were, you, always, you just wanted to have a conversation. You wanted to talk. You wanted to learn more about them and get to know them. That's what prayer is with God. The one who loves us. He wants us to have that conversation so that he can continue to inflame the desire that he's placed in the depths of our heart for communion with him, to be united with him. Remember, our whole goal of life is to is union with God. And prayer is that key place where we begin to find and develop and deepen that union with him. And it's all about conversation. Prayer is simply conversation with God. Now, who is God, though? 
Here's what the Catechism says when it starts to talk about the Our Father. It says, before we make our own, this first exclamation of the Lord's Prayer, which is Our Father. Right? Think about those two words for a minute that Jesus has given us. Our Father. The Catechism says, before we even make that uh, our, our own, we must humbly, humbly cleanse our hearts of certain false images, images drawn from our world of experience about who God is, right? So many times in our experience, we have experience of fathers and father figures in our life, and there have probably been many times when we felt that we needed to earn their love, right? Or we were afraid of them. Maybe they were really bad at being a father. Uh, you know, because every person in this world is broken to some extent, and they will fail in those. And we'll take that upon ourselves, and we'll apply that to God the Father because that's the only experience we have. And so the Catechism is saying, as we enter into prayer, we need to be open to allow the Lord to purify the image of himself because we don't understand who he is. We, as a matter of fact, as you go through the purification of who the Father is, who you're praying to, who you're speaking with, um, it, it changes everything. You, you realize that every image that you have of God the Father is way off. It's completely wrong. Even the best ones that we begin to get do not grasp at all. He is so good. He is goodness itself. He is love itself. He is mercy itself, like anything that we call good in this life, any love that we experience in this life is but a participation in him who is love, goodness, mercy himself. And it's really, really hard for us to grasp that. And that's going to affect how we pray and interact with the Lord. And that brings us to the point of like, Sometimes God does not answer our prayers the way that we have asked, right? Um, he always gives an answer. We, I mean, I, I've encountered this. I've experienced it myself. And somebody says, Father, God doesn't answer my prayers. I said, well, he does answer your prayers. It's either yes, no, or not yet, right? There's always an answer. What we're really saying is God did not answer it the way I wanted it answered. And so that's, that's where we need to recognize that's where God needs to purify our image of him. Because sometimes we tend to maybe treat God as like, uh, I mean, it's a crude image, but like a vending machine, right? We'll pop in a couple of prayers and get what I want. <laughs> get, get those Funyuns to drop out of there. All right, that, that's, that's the kind of the image that we will tend to begin with when we begin in prayer. And we're never going to be satisfied with that because God, I remember, okay. So I remember when I was young, that's how I prayed. And I, all right, I'll share it with you. But I, <laughs> I didn't want to. But so when I was, I think I was in high school, like early high school. And, and I had these like few little prayers that I pray every night. And my, most of them had to do with like, Lord, let this girl like me. Right. And, uh, and that actually came true, but then, yeah, it all fell apart. So obviously, I'm here today. But 
But I would pray for those things, and that was it. That's all I understood prayer to be, was just ask God for things. Um, as I began to grow in prayer, and the Lord, as I had a conversion and began to grow in my faith life, God began to purify who he is uh, in my own experience, in my own understanding. And so it's not about asking God for things the way we want it, but he began to help me understand who he is, which, think about it for a moment. Uh, This is also something I've done. So uh, there was a time in, in probably a few years ago where my uh, a couple of family members, they were, we were going through some, some difficult times and I was, you know, praying about it and pleading with the Lord. And um, so I, I was in prayer and I just like, Lord, I mean, are you going to do something about this? Like, I've, here it is. I've got these five points mapped out. If you do these five things, then everything will work out just fine the way I want it. And, uh, but that was how I was, how I was asking him. And in that moment, like he just, he kind of helped me understand. He's like, yeah, but you have a very limited view of the whole situation, right? You have this worldly perspective and you can only see barely what's in front of you. He said, I have an eternal perspective and my desire for my children is eternal life. And so I won't give them anything that won't get them to me, right? So that's one of the, one of the things that we have to continue to remember is like God has the big picture. We, it would be like um, finding, finding one page ripped out of the Lord of the Rings trilogy on the ground uh, and somebody picking it up and reading it and be like, and say, it's, say it's the little party with the hobbits at the beginning. Boring. But... Uh, like you had, to, you had to lay out the foundation, right? That's what Tolkien was doing. But let's say they picked up that one page and they looked at it and they're like, that's ridiculous, and threw it away. That's kind of us, right? We're like one page of history that we're looking at. God's got the trilogy right in front of it. So he can see the whole story and he knows how to work it through the, so that those who love him can arrive with him for eternal life. That's his goal. His goal is a father. One, of, uh, one time a few years ago, my niece was about three, and uh, she fell and broke her arm. And this is when my brother, was, he's in the Air Force, and they were over in Italy. And uh, so, go to the hospital in Italy, dangerous. Uh, they used to tell me when I was studying over there, um, said, your, your medical insurance and this goes way, way back, but is TWA, right? <laughs> Remember the airline? <laughs> it's like, you get on the plane and get back to the Americas and get yourself fixed. Um, but he had to go and they, they said it wrong, right? And then they put the cast on. And so she was still in a lot of pain and stuff. And it was a fairly traumatic experience. She did not like the doctor or the hospital or any of that. And so when she found out that her dad was taking her back to the hospital, she was like, clinging on to him and just screaming, Daddy, Daddy, don't do this to me. I don't want to go. You know, I'm just like, it was breaking my brother's heart. Like he's, he's like, well, honey, this is, this is what's best for you. And it's precisely that image that comes to me whenever it's with God and something that we're, we're suffering in, right? God doesn't like it. 
He doesn't love, but he knows that's what's best for us in that moment. That that's what's really going to draw us and prepare us for eternal life. And so we should cling to him like that. And we can ask him, right? But to know that whatever it is that we end up going through is done by a loving father who perfectly knows what will bring us to heaven. That's the image that has to continually be uh, founded, so to speak, in in our minds and in our hearts to know that he's a loving father. Look at Jesus and his parables and the things he preaches about because his goal was to do the father's will. His goal was to make known the father who we had forgotten. And so the best parable is the, the parable and it's called the parable of the prodigal son. That's how we know it. But it really should be the parable of the prodigal father. Because prodigal means to squander. And what does the father squander? His love. Like, it's rejected by the young and the old, and yet he still keeps giving. Like, that's the father. That's who he is. He desires to pour his love upon us. Now, his love also was poured upon Jesus, his son. And what did he do? Right? He ended up up there for us. Right? This world is broken by sin. This world is not it. We will not find our fulfillment and the deepest desires of our heart fulfilled here. That's why God always has the eternal perspective for our life. Now, our job throughout, and this happens only in prayer and the living out of our faith, is to grow in trust. Trust of a father who wants the very, very, very best for us. That's, the, that's our foundation for prayer, all right? That, that can help us to understand. And we're still good. That doesn't mean it's easy, all right? Being able to say all of that doesn't mean that at times it's easy because we're not going to understand everything that we face in this life. That's why it requires trust, right? My, my little niece, had she didn't understand it. She couldn't grasp it. And yet she had to trust finally in my brother that his love for her and that his goodness for her was always going to be for her best. And so that's that's how we have to say That's why I repeat that saying over and over again. Whatever God has permitted or allowed into my life, he will use to make me holy. And holiness is what it's all about. It's it's what it's all about. That's, That's it. Holiness and growing in holiness is what prayer is about. Um, So I'm going to stop there and field questions that come up in your heart thinking about that. Does it make sense to you? Do you understand the images that are brought up in that? It's not easy, is it? It is very important, like if we're going to pray. Because sometimes when we get discouraged in prayer, we give up. It's because we're mad. We're mad that it wasn't answered in the way that I wanted it. When in reality, it's like, that's the moment I have to enter into trust. And I say, Jesus, I trust in you. I don't understand it. I don't know why this is the way it had to be, but I, I trust you. Because a lot of things happen in our life that we don't like because of the freedom that God has given all of us. Right? We'll... Many times we suffer because of the misuse of other people's freedom. And God won't 
block us from using our freedom because he's created us that way. He's created us for love. And the only way to love is to be free. And so, but with that freedom comes responsibility. And when we misuse it, we hurt ourselves and we hurt others sometimes. But God will not allow that to have the last word. This is the thing to remember. That pain, that hurt will not have the last word. When we love God, he will use all things and direct all things to our good, to the good of our salvation, to the good of eternal life, and even to the good of living it joyfully here as we go along. Read the lives of the saints. You see them. They suffer. They suffer a lot, don't they? But they're always joyful. Mother Teresa, she suffered a lot. Interior, um, interiorly, not experiencing God at all. Like complete darkness when it comes to, but you would not have known that for those 50 years. You would not see it. Everybody thought, you must be so close to God. They, they would say that to her. Mother, you must be so close to God. It must be awesome to be you. And there she is, like interiorly suffering. She did ask for it, by the way, to be and associate with those whom she served, who were in the darkness of air, who were in the darkness of suffering amidst this world, because that brought, God said yes to it, because it changed the world. She changed the world. And it brought hope and joy and love to people. Like, that's what he wants to do with us. He wants us to say yes and to take that step with him so that he can bring his love into the world. And through that, no matter the suffering, you know that God loves you. And you know that in the end, whatever his will is for me is what's best. That takes a long time. Think of Jesus, right? In the garden, right? He's getting ready to enter into this passion. So, we look at it and can sometimes say, well, you know, that's like a 12-hour period where Jesus, you know, but like I'm suffering, I've been suffering for years or something. Um, and Jesus is God and man, 100% each. Perfect God, perfect man. His emotions, his uh, feelings, all of, the, all of his part of who he is in his humanity felt things even more acutely than we do. Sin kind of dulls us to the world. He felt it all to the nth degree because of who he was. And he did it for us. But he even prayed in the garden, Father, Father, take this cup from me, this cup of suffering that he knows. But not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Here. Okay, so that's, that's my question. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to try to figure out a way to say this Because we don't know what God's will is, and because we're not trying to pray in a vending machine way, saying, mm-hmm. okay, I want this, 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 this. And because we don't know that, you know, somebody else maybe has to experience something out of the situation, you know, whatever it is. And I know a lot of frustration plays in in my part because I'll be praying for something that in my head is right, even though just because I think it's right doesn't mean I, I expect God to, you know, follow suit and, and do that. 
But rather than go through that frustration, rather than be like a guessing game on, you know, what should we, why isn't our prayer just simply that? Okay, Father, regarding so-and-so, your will be done. Amen. Yeah. Okay, so that's very long. I'm going to have to try to summarize that up here. Uh, so, very good question. So, knowing this, right, knowing that I may not always know exactly what to pray for, and I want to pray. I, I, I don't want to... I want to treat God as the Father that He is, and I want to pray in His will and for His will to be done. Why don't I just say, Father, in regard to this person... Your will be done, and leave it at that. It's not bad. It's a good prayer. It's a good prayer. Now, he might be asking you too to offer prayer time and penance and sacrifice for that purpose because he uses every bit of that. Every prayer you've ever uttered, every penance and sacrifice you've ever offered to the Lord is used. Not one thing, there's not a time that God doesn't hear your prayer or doesn't, doesn't use that penance. Sometimes he has uh, ordained that there are certain, a certain amount, so to speak, I hate to use quantity, but a certain amount or depth of prayer that he's asking us to, to, to enter into so that he can bring his will about. Do you see what I mean? Like there's a God, by praying, God not only makes us holy, uh, not only sometimes is is working within that person's life. So he's given them the grace they need because of your prayer. But he's also making us holy by continuing to ask him for it. So that's part of prayer. Part of prayer is that he wants us to express to him what we need, what we think we need. And through it, he's going to change us as we pray. And as we pray, and this takes a while. Like I remember that the transition for me uh, in those times that I was talking to the Lord about situations, um, asking him to fix them and this and that. Why aren't you doing it yet? <laughs> that kind of thing. And, uh, and when he said, like, Ryan, I have the bigger picture. I'm in charge of this. I hear it all. I know, I know what's best for this. So just pray that my will be done in this. Like offer your prayers, your rosary, any, any of the things that the ways that you want to pray for this situation, but leave it up to me. I'm at work in this. And so, so we don't want to, like I love, that is the way we do want to pray. Lord, I don't know what's best for my loved one that I'm praying for. I know you do. What do you want me to do to cooperate with you so that it comes about in their life? So, and maybe he'll inspire you to say, well, I'd like you to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet each day at three o'clock, right? And offer that to me for her. Um, Because what he's going to do is also change us. He's going to deepen us. He's going to open up a a view of of his mercy, of his love that maybe we wouldn't have had if we hadn't entered into that type of prayer. So that's a very good point. And I, I just want us to like, See, like that can be, especially if there's a situation that's very difficult for us, that's the best way to enter into it. Lord, I'll do what, this is why I told him one time. So, Lord, I'll do whatever you want. I'll say whatever you want to this, in this, to this person in this situation. 
Um, but you're going to have to inspire me to do it. Otherwise, I give it to you and I offer my prayer for it. But what happens is, like when, when it's not going the direction we want it to, we can tend to hold on to what we want from it. And that could be hurtful for us. It's <laughs> a good ringtone. I like it. <laughs> it's all right. Don't worry about it. It happens. You know what that is? That's just that opportunity for humility. The Lord gives us those whenever that happens to us. It's, it's the worst. We always feel bad. Don't worry about it. But that's the... Yeah. When we pray to God, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When we're praying to God, does it always have to be the Father, or can it be Jesus? Oh, yeah. yeah. It can't. It doesn't matter. Yeah. No, it does not matter. Um who we pray to, because they're all God. Uh, but, and sometimes we can encounter them in their different... Uh, so whenever we talk in theology, there's a uh, this way of... It's called appropriation. So sometimes we attribute like the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But where one of them is, all of them are. All right? So God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwell in us. Uh, and so... But we can... Whatever, whatever is working for you, whatever you're inspired to, whether it be meditating and praying to Jesus in his passion, maybe it's the Holy Spirit and you're asking for comfort, a consolation, and we know that he's called the comforter, the consoler. Um, and ultimately, Jesus came to show us the Father. And so uh, he, he, the Father sometimes can be one of our more difficult ones, but I think he's the, the foundation of helping us pray. Also, we can ask the Holy Spirit because it's it, St. Paul tells us that it, his, his job uh, to help us learn how to pray, right? St. Paul says, we do not know how to pray as we ought. And it's the Spirit who comes to our help. And what does he say? He says, and he causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. Right? It's the Holy Spirit who teaches us who God the Father is and how to pray. Uh, and so we don't have to figure it out on ourselves. But to invite, and this is prayer, invite the Holy Spirit to show you. Right? That is prayer. That's a conversation with him. And that, remember, simple prayer, conversation with God. And so in any of those forms, uh, that any of the ways that you want to pray to one of the persons of the Trinity is perfectly fine. Um, and can be helpful in deepening our understanding. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, simply starting in the morning is a very, very good way. As a matter of fact, that's why I put it in that little booklet of mine. One of the morning prayers that I offer is the morning offering, right? So somebody asked this question. Wow. All right. Didn't plan on spending that much time on that question. But that's the, that's the most important question we got here, the foundation of what it means to pray, of who God the Father is, of allowing the Holy Spirit to purify our hearts so that we can see the Father for who he is, that we can know more and more every day how good he is. Right? That takes time. So be patient and enter into that prayer 
asking him to continue to show you who he is. He desires to. And, you know, in reading scripture, that's a beautiful way to see who the Father is because Jesus is making him known. He is the, St. Paul again, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the one who has come to show us who the Father is and to open up the way to get back to it. All right. Good on Father? Foundation of prayer, who God is? All right. Um, let me look at these questions. Let's the other one I felt was really important at the beginning. Oh, what is prayer? We've kind of talked about that. Right? What prayer is? Conversation with God. Let me give you just two beautiful quotes from the catechism that they use from the saints. Uh, Saint Therese of Lisieux, right? The little flower. She says, for me, prayer is a surge of the heart. It is a simple look toward heaven. It is a cry of recognition and of love, embracing both trial and joy. I think you could spend a long time praying with that beautiful little description of prayer. Prayer is a surge of the heart. Now, Here's what an early church father said, St. John Damascene, very similar. Prayer is the raising of one's mind and heart to God, or, or also, the requesting of good things from God. What's the best thing that you can request from God? God, make me holy. Help me grow in holiness. I want to be with you forever. I know this world's not it, and help me to live this world well so that I can live with you. God, make me holy. Um, but this raising of the mind and heart to God, that's this surge of the heart, as St. Therese puts it, a simple look toward heaven, um, a cry of recognition of who the Father is. That's what she means. A cry of recognition of how God created me out of love, and I want to return that love. Embracing both trial and joy. She sums it all up, doesn't she? Trial and joy, that's this life. Ultimate heaven, all joy. So we face the trials here because actually, as I've learned in my life, and probably many of you as well, it's actually through the trials that I've grown in faith. It's actually through the trials that I I grew in trust in who the Father was. When I prayed for trust, I didn't just get like, the bucket of trust to carry along with me, I got these opportunities to trust. And that's normally how God works, right? Pray for patience, and he gives you opportunities for patience. So be careful what you pray for. <laughs> you know, and, and, but that is, that is the simple kind of a conversation with the Lord, raising our heart and mind to God. Um, that's why in... Oh, did I see a question? Oh, in uh, one of your questions, you'd asked, um, what, what was the question? I just blinked. Um, oh, sometimes I'd, somebody had mentioned they don't feel con- a connection. Like my prayers are only in my head and going nowhere. Uh, I keep waiting for total faith to enter my heart. So 
how do I achieve that? And yeah, so sometimes we can feel that, and it does require faith, like prayer requires faith, but faith is also a gift that we can ask for. So it's one of the things that we pray for. You want to know how to pray? Pray. That's what really the saints tell us. You want to know how to pray? Do it. (laughs) That's it. Just keep doing it. Talk to God. Ask him for that deepening of faith. Lord, Lord, increase my faith. It's a great little prayer in the gospel, right? It comes right from the gospels. This guy kneels in front of Jesus and asks for a miracle for his son. And Jesus, watch his conversations with people. Because what's he always trying to get? Faith. He's trying to draw out of them trust, faith in him, that he can do what they're asking. If they're coming with a, another intention, he, he won't do anything until he draws the faith out of them. Uh, and it's in that moment that the Father says, oh, increase, Lord, increase my faith. That's a prayer I pray all the time. Lord, increase my faith. Like, we don't ever get it here. Uh, it's always an opportunity for deepening and growth in faith throughout this life. So, even if you're... So, prayer. Raising of your mind and your heart to God. A surge of the heart. When you're praying, don't just say the words but speak them with your heart to the best of your ability, right? Say, Lord, I know, like I I open my heart to you. Help me to enter into prayer. Help me to grow in faith, increase my faith. Like those are beautiful prayers. Um, But don't worry about it too much, all right? Many times we can do that. It's like, well, I don't have any, I'm not not feeling anything in my prayer. Okay, that's all right. You're not always going to feel stuff in the prayer. Um, sometimes the Lord gives you consolations. Great. Thank you, Lord. And then many times uh, he kind of takes them away for a while. And as we move in our prayer life, the reason he takes them away is because what does that do? That elicits faith. Right Now I have to trust that since it's not happening anymore, that I know God's still there. That's the normal journey in prayer. Because, first of all, God wants you to love him, not his gifts. Right? And consolation is a gift from God that he gives us, especially a lot of times in the beginning as we're moving into a life of faith. Like, he'll make it kind of easy. We're like, ooh, man, I love praying. Then all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, where's the desert? Where did it come from? Right? I got nothing. Where'd God go? That's our immediate response. Normal. Very normal. And... It is the, the normal way of the, the life, of uh, the prayer life, because what he's asking in that moment is like, yeah, but you love me. You, you do. You love me, not just for those little gifts, those consolations, those uh, little spiritual cookies, but I want you to love me for me, because I'm your father, right? Even when you don't feel those things. And through that, it's an ebb and flow throughout our spiritual journey, right? And it's normal. And as we grow in our prayer life, in our um, spiritual journey, those ebbs and flows begin to lessen, and we become more stable, which is why Mother Teresa never abandoned anything that she did, but only deepened her devotion to the Lord through the midst of darkness in her experience of God, because God had prepared her, her faith was deep, there was nothing that was going to take her away from what 
she would write to her spiritual director, to the bishop, talking about this, this darkness that was going on. But she said, but I know and I trust Jesus and I'll do it all with a smile. That's why nobody ever knew what she was going through, except for her confessor and spiritual director. Because she did it with a smile, because she had this deep trust and faith in the Lord. I said it, it takes that time. So don't worry if, you, if you're not feeling it, uh, but also uh, pray for a deepening of faith. Pray for a, more, a bigger outpouring and gift of faith. Um, because he'll give it to you. It's, it's a gift. He wants to give, that more, give us more of that. Also, good thing for prayer, clean out the closet. Right? I think you get what I'm talking about. <laughs> my confession. Clean out the closet. Some of that stuff blocks us and it keeps us from experiencing what God wants because we have chosen things not of God uh, and it's, they kind of stack up and build up around the heart and God's like, well, I mean, I can't, I can't get in there. Come bring that stuff to me so I can take it away. Bring me the baggage and I'll get rid of it. And as soon as you do that, you begin to open up more and more to the Lord um, and you might actually, you know, in those moments, have an experience of his goodness, of, his, of trusting in him, of growing in faith. Very, very important to, uh, to practice the, the sacraments, especially confession. Go on a regular basis. Uh, I know, I, so this weekend in my homily, I, I said I was going to add times during Advent for uh, the parish for, for good. Like, it wasn't just for Advent, it's for good. Um, and I do that because then I hold myself accountable because I told you in public, well, now i got to do it. Because <laughs> there'll be times when I'll be like, oh, man, I don't know if I have time to do it. But that's more important than anything else that I do. Celebrating the sacraments is so important, and especially confession. And so I will make it happen. Um, and it will be transformative. It will, it will, it will be beautiful. Uh, so... Make it a kind of a regular thing, of uh, a monthly thing, where you just go in, get your booster shot of faith, and get, get rid of any baggage that build up, or barnacles that come on the boat, all by analogies, right? I'm all over the place with those things, sorry. Um, but that could, be a, that could be a way that will also help us to enter more deeply into prayer. Um, there was... Uh, okay. How do I pray? So very simply, that little booklet, those are the different ways you can pray. Simply put, have a conversation with God. Tell him what's going on in your life. Ask him to help you to understand something that's a difficulty. Ask him to, um, to keep pouring the gift of faith into your life. Pray for your loved ones who are falling away. Uh, do all of that stuff. There's, there are beautiful ways I use... I'll, I'll tell you what my prayer life looks like. Um, and so you can gather from it what you want. In the morning, I have a, a series of prayers that I begin my day with. Right? And um, so it, those take me about 30 minutes. Um, but they help me to kind of get my mind and my heart <clears throat> directed to God right off the bat. Uh, you don't have to pray for 30 minutes. You can, yours can be five minutes, right? Just uh, like I, I didn't put all of them in the little booklet that I gave you. Uh, 
but one of the ones that I love is the morning offering, right? So I offer all things that I'm going to face this day, the joys, the sufferings, the difficulties, the struggles, all of it. I give it all to you, Lord. Help me do it for your greater glory and for my salvation, right? In that way, even if I forget throughout the day that God is with me, like I pray that prayer. So he, he, he takes it. He takes that as a, an act of faith in the morning. So I spend that time in, in praying these uh, vocal prayers that really kind of prepare me. And, and when you're praying vocal prayers, don't, don't think we ever advance past praying vocally, because we don't. The Mass is a vocal prayer, and it's the greatest prayer that we've got. Uh, vocal prayers are good. Sometimes what happens is we get, <laughs> we, we get uh, we're not really paying attention to what we're saying. That's what happens. So I have a, my family, a lot of my family live in Southern Illinois, and there's this beautiful church that my great-grandfather helped build, St. Joseph's down there. And uh, so I would go there for Mass when I was down visiting, uh, before I was a priest, and I'd get there because they pray the rosary early. Whoa. It's like they're all auctioneers down there. It was like, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, earth, I'm going to bless you It was literally like 10 minutes. I'm like, I've never heard a rosary this fast. I mean, it was a little old church lady up front just leading this thing, just, just ribbing it, just going so fast. I was like, uh, I think you could, I mean, we don't have to go really slow, but that maybe be a little bit too fast. And so just, just check where your heart is when you start to pray those vocal prayers. If you catch yourself drifting off and just saying words, then just stop. Say the words from the heart. You know, you don't have to pray a bunch of Hail Marys. Pray one Hail Mary with great devotion and love. Pray one Our Father with great devotion and love. It's not about quantity, it's about quality. And so many times those vocal prayers for me are just a way that I express through the gift of the great saints of the church, uh, the teachings of the church that they put into these prayers. It's a way for me to express my heart to the Lord in tried and true ways. And that, that helps me to, to begin my day. Like I, I feel out of sorts if I, by chance, wake up late and don't have a chance to, to pray those. Um, I feel out of sorts with it, without it because it's the way that I, that I connect with the Lord, reconnect with the Lord in the morning. Not that he's ever gone, but I need to reconnect my mind and heart uh, to him. And so vocal prayer is a beautiful prayer. Just keep saying it with your heart. That's, that's, the, that's the work on our part, right? To keep uniting our heart with the Lord. Somebody asked about uh, repetition, right? The repetition of the rosary, for instance. Um, and a lot of times you'll hear non-Catholics who will say like, well, Jesus says you're not supposed to do that, right? When he talks about prayer. Well, not really. I mean, when you look at the Psalms, which are the word of God, there are a lot of repetition in those Psalms. There's one Psalm like, blessed be the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, snow and rain, bless the Lord, ice and, you know, so there were all these ones because repetition is not a bad thing. What he was talking about is don't babble like the pagans. So what the pagans would do, here's why the pagans pray, right? They pray, pray to a bunch of gods. Um, and so they would try 
repeating the same things and saying these basically like mantras to get what they wanted. And Jesus is saying, don't pray to me to get what you want. Don't pray to the Father to get what you want, but unite your heart with me. Here's how you pray. The Our Father is the model of all prayer because it's given to us by Jesus. Right? There's, no, there's no greater prayer than the Our Father. And look how we start. Our Father, who art in heaven. Let's acknowledge what's going on here. Here's the Father who is in heaven and who loved us into existence, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Like, first of all, Lord, hallow your name in my life, on my lips and on my heart. Let your name always be holy to me. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. What's God's kingdom? Kingdom of love, mercy, joy, peace. What Christ came to bring. The kingdom of God. That his kingdom will, will come. And that his will, there it is, his will be done here as it is in heaven. His will is done in heaven. That's how it is. It's always done in heaven. Because they're perfected by grace, by his love. So, Lord, help me to do your will here on earth. Because that's what brings me happiness. That's what brings me to eternal life. That's the most important thing, to do your will. So help me to know it. Right? Open that up to me. And then we get to, the, after those petitions, to the Father. Right? That's how all prayer should start. Acknowledging who we're praying to. And then we start to ask for the most important things. Jesus tells us what to ask for. Give us thy, this day the daily bread. Right? So actually in, uh, in the Greek, the, the word is, uh, could, should be translated as give us this supernatural bread. That's what we're asking, Jesus is asking. I bet it was interesting to, for them to hear that and be like, I wonder what that is, right? Because the Eucharist hasn't been uh, instituted yet. They probably would have thought back to something like manna, the manna from heaven. Uh, but Jesus is already pointing us to this supernatural bread, this his life, his grace that he's going to give us, which it also has another meaning of just the daily things that we need. Lord, give us the daily things that we need. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our trespasses. Big one. Big one. You want to grow in your faith? Forgive quickly. Forgive those that you don't think you can forgive. Unforgiveness is a, is a block to us. It will eat us up inside. It will, it will um, atrophy our heart. So if, you don't, if that brings something up into your heart right now, and you're like, there's no way I can forgive what this person's done or whatever, um, then go to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to want to forgive. Give me the grace to want to forgive. I don't have it right now. And I promise you, he will give it to you. And the next thing you know, you'll be on that process of like, okay, Lord, I choose to forgive. Help me to experience that forgiveness. And that could be a daily thing for, uh, for a while. But at some point, you're going to come to me and say, Father, I did that thing with unforgiveness, and it works. Because I know it works. I've done it, <laughs> right? I have people to forgive, all right? And if you work through it, the Lord will help you forgive. You can't do it on your own. You need his help. 
But he requires that of us, right? Forgive us our trespasses. What's that little two-letter word next? As we forgive those who trespass against us, right? His forgiveness, he's made conditional on us forgiving others. And so the more we enter into that, the better our prayer will become. It really will. Now, what if you have a case where they continue to do it, right? And there's like this never-ending stream of forgiveness that you got to keep doing. Well, I asked the Lord one night about that. I said, Lord, what do, you want, what do you want me to do? Keep forgiving this person that keeps doing the same thing over and over again? Hurting people that I love? Is that what you want me to do? And he, I just felt in my heart at that moment. He said, um, you mean like you do to me? You just keep sinning against me, but do I ever not forgive you? Uh, <laughs> no, you do, thankfully. All right, all right, all right, I'll do it. And so that's when I started praying that prayer, and I would just say it all the time. Like, Lord, I choose to forgive. Help me to experience it. Lord, I choose to forgive. Help me for, to experience it. Lord, I choose to forgive. Help me to experience it. Over and over and over. And I said, Lord, finally... Now, this is where the transition took place. I was in, it just happened when I came out of my mouth. Same situation. I said, Lord, choose, help me. I choose to forgive. Help me to experience that forgiveness. And help me to love them as you do. And I was like, ooh, that's a, new, that's a new level, right? To love the one who causes us pain. It's only possible with his grace. But man, is it freeing. I'm telling you. He changes your life. Like that situation, I just, I was able to give to him. Like I was trying to fix it. I was trying to, you know, make it stop. And this is, this is the beauty of prayer, right? He changes us through praying for others, through praying for these situations to where he's like, why are you angrily holding on to fixing this situation that you have no control over? Give it to me. Stop holding on. Give it to me. So I did. I started making that part of my prayer. All right, here, here, Lord, I'll do. You need me to do anything, you let me know. But otherwise, this is your situation. You fix it. That was it. I did it. And it was very freeing. So that I could actually be who he wanted me to be in those moments. To do what he wanted me to do. Because it was affecting how I lived the rest of my life. And I didn't, I mean, I was a priest. So I didn't have time to, like, be driven into this situation and not to fulfill my duties as a priest and he did he took it and then all of a sudden the the situation began to change like i don't know how that works but like he was trying i think he was trying to teach me something before he 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 took care of it and moved them moved them in a different direction and that's kind of what happens in prayer Uh, another thing that comes up often is like why is uh, why do I pray if God already knows what needs to be done, right? What's even the point of prayer? St. Augustine asked that question a long, long time ago. And, or or a, a, a woman asked that question of St. Augustine. He's got this wonderful, beautiful letter to Proba, is her name, uh, on prayer. And in it, he says, he, sa- he says, look, obviously God doesn't need our prayers. It's not going to change. He knows everything. We're not trying to change God's mind. 
so to speak, because he knows what's best. Remember, he's the Father. He knows what's best for us. What we do in prayer changes us. We are letting God change our hearts. And those couple of little stories of my own, that's what he did. Like, it wasn't about me changing the situation or God doing it the way I wanted it done. But by coming to him, by talking to him, by sometimes, you know, yelling at him, like he changed my heart. And he showed me more about who he wanted me to be in this life and how to uh, encounter and manage through these, these situations. Uh, so prayer is really not about us changing God's mind. He knows what's best. It's about him, when we enter into prayer, him changing us, him deepening our love for him, our trust in him, our faith in him. So that's very true. Uh, the, the temptation is, right, sins God already knows, like I just won't bother with prayer. Like that's the temptation. That's also from the evil one, all right? So reject it. That's not the truth. We need prayer because that's a conversation with the one we love. Just imagine how your relationships in your life, your human relationships would be if you never talked to the person that you love, right? They wouldn't develop. They wouldn't deepen over time. They wouldn't get to that point where you can sit in the same room with the one you've loved for so long and talked about everything with for so long that you can sit in the room and you don't need to say anything. That's my grandparents. They're like married 68 years or something. Like they don't have to say anything to one another. They just... They, as a matter of fact, they don't even have to express what they need. It's like the other one just gets up and goes and gets it. And I'm like, you guys are weird. How do you do that? They just know one another so well. That's, that's the goal of prayer. That's where the Lord is going to take us. To where we don't even have to ask anymore. We just entrust it to him. We just give it to him. We know he's going to take care of it. That takes time. It takes, and it's through prayer that he prepares us for that. Prepares us for eternal life. Uh, let's see if I have many things. Somebody had asked about their, their set of prayers that they had been praying for a long time now, like 50 years. Uh, Our Father, Hail Mary, Glory Be, Act of Contrition, Memorari. Um, all of those are beautiful prayers. Yes, keep praying them. Keep, keep praying them. Uh, keep and add to that maybe just a little conversation with the Lord in what's going on in your life as well? Question? Yeah, I hope I don't mess this up. It's about petition and prayer. Yeah. And I think it was in 2 Corinthians and it was St. Paul that had three thorns in him by Satan mm-hmm. and he asked to pray to Jesus to remove them. Um, and Jesus said, no, my grace my graces should be sufficient um, because through weakness there is So in uh, one of Paul's letters, uh, he had the, uh, what he calls the thorn in the flesh. Right? And he had uh, <clears throat> kind of like a, uh, he, another place he talks about it as like the, the demon to, to kind of cause him problems as he's going around <clears throat> spreading the faith. And he prayed to the Lord three times for him to remove the thorn in the flesh, whatever the struggle was that he, that he was having. 
And then the Lord told him in prayer, no, because my grace is sufficient for you. My grace in this suffering that you're asking for alleviation for, my grace is sufficient for you because power is made perfect in weakness. Now, what, is that, what does that mean? Here's how I understand it in my own experience. Um, is that those times where the Lord doesn't take away some suffering or difficulty or struggle that I have uh, is normally because he wants to, he, he wants through your weakness to show his power. Right? For instance, the last thing I ever wanted to do was speak in front of people. Right? I took speech the very last class of college to graduate. I had to take that stupid class. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to get up in front of people and talk. And then the Lord calls me to be a priest. And so I do it all the time. Like, right? Uh, and I just, wh- why does he do that? Because it's not about me. I don't have any gifted skills of speaking. Like when he called me to be a priest, I just had to trust that in my weakness, that his power and glory would show. Many times, he does things through us that we can't attribute to ourselves. And that's a good thing because otherwise we get very prideful. And it keeps us humble to know that we have to rely more on his grace and his strength to do what he asks. Does that make sense? Like in, in entering into that, it's uh, Paul can sometimes seem kind of prideful, right? In some of his letters, he's like, hey, Imitate me, right? Imitate me. Now, he wasn't saying it that way, of course, but uh, what he meant was like, I'm just trying to do what he had so much confidence in the Lord. He trusts completely in what he was doing in his life. He's like, imitate this desire that I have to follow the Lord. Is that my, is it time for me to stop? (laughs) Did you set an alarm for me? I'm sorry. (laughs) Somebody's got to keep me in line. That's right. We're getting close. It did make me look at my watch. So we got about 15 minutes. But uh, yeah, so a lot of times um, he made that aware to Paul. He's like, Paul, as a matter of fact, your sufferings are making you more powerful in this world of spreading the good news. Because people's lives are changed not by some great orator, not by some big, wonderful. They're changed by this little guy. I mean, Paul was a pretty small guy who had once persecuted the church mercilessly. Like he was, he had decrees to get Christians arrested and put in prison, and he did it. And, he's to, and God took this guy, who's, as Paul calls himself, the worst of the worst, and made him the greatest evangelist to the Gentile world. That's what God does with weakness. But it's only when we give it over to him. Like, Lord, use that for what you want. For your glory. Because any gifts that I have are not for my glory, but for his. So any, you know, anything, any good things that I do, that's for his glory. And he takes and makes power work through my many weaknesses. Mm-hmm. God's will be done and pray for them, but is there, is there some magic words that you can, that you can say to them to, to help them 
Help. Yeah, so what do we say to someone who's mad at God? So I face this all the time when I go hear confessions in um, high school. They're always mad at God, every one of them. So I usually ask, what are you mad about? What are you mad about? And uh, they'll tell me something. And I say, okay, good. Now what I want you to do is I'll have them go to adoration. I said, go find an adoration table. I want you to go and I want you to sit in there and I want you to look at Jesus in the blessed sacrament and I want you to tell him what you're mad about. Tell him. Tell him what you're mad about. And then I want you to sit there and let him speak to your heart. Rarely, rarely have they not at some point burst into tears because God will speak to you. Go tell him what you're mad about. He's a big boy. He can take it. Right? It's when we express it and finally let go of it and sit and let him give him a few moments of silence to let him speak to our heart, he'll move us. There's this great, oh, this great story of uh, the missionaries of charity, St. Saint, Saint, uh, Mother Teresa's order, that, and they were helping former prostitutes and kind of the, everybody that's been rejected, right, in the world. And they, so they would obviously encounter uh, folks that were very angry for the life that they ended up with. And they're like, so one of the young girls that was brought in there uh, ended up testing positive for AIDS. And so she was dying. And uh, she was angry. She was angry. She came to the sister and just, you know, maybe they were taking care of because it was an AIDS hospice. And they were taking care of them. Right? And just doing all their stuff. And they're, they're, she's just like, why? Why did God let this happen to me? Why didn't I have a good family when I was growing up? Why did I end up in this? How did I end up in this? And one of the sisters, those sisters are bold too, by the way. One of those sisters just grabbed her by the arm and she walked her to the chapel. She shoved her in and shut the door. <laughs> that was it. That girl knelt in there for like an hour, came out, tears. <laughs> she <laughs> choking me up. Uh, she comes out, she says, I know God loves me. I have a father. And it was beautiful. Her life changed. She was baptized. She brought all the sacraments, the Eucharist, death, and eternal glory. All that suffering that she went through in this life was nothing anymore when she entered into where God had broken into her life it's like that's it that's what i do that's what i tell them i'm like don't keep that to yourself i want so even if they can't come to adoration right tell them to sit in a chair and have an empty chair set across from them and i said i want you to imagine jesus sitting there and i want you to tell jesus and yell at him just like you did did me tell him what you're mad about and then give him a moment to look back at you and tell you what he needs to that he always will. He will always do it. One of these questions that here was um, number five. How do we deal with distractions? Oh, yes. Um, so distractions are the normal reality in our prayer life. <clears throat> what we have to do is prepare for prayer. All right? So if you've been like running, 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 and you've been on your phone and on the computer or watching television right before you enter into prayer, it's going to be a lot harder 
to pray. You're going to have to deal with those distractions for a while. So what I like to say is um, take a few minutes to sit in silence before you enter into prayer. Like give over those things, those distractions, those things that are going on in your life. Give them over to the Lord. Lord, say a prayer. Always pray before you pray. I know it sounds strange, but it really works. So what I'll do, I'll ask my guardian angel to keep all distractions away from me so that I can enter into prayer. And if I become distracted to recognize it quickly and give it back to the Lord, focus again. Sometimes you can spend your whole time of prayer trying to refocus on the Lord because of distractions. That's a great time of prayer. It's not a bad prayer. Can you imagine like the, the father sitting up there and being like, look at all those distractions that they face during this time of prayer. And look how much they fought to be with me. You think he's not going to give you abundance of grace for that battle in prayer? The, the catechism of the Catholic Church calls prayer a battle. Because it is. We have enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Our own weakness of our flesh. The world and all its allurements and distractions. And the devil who doesn't want us to pray. Because he knows that changes our... It puts us in God's kingdom. It keeps us going and moving in that direction. So when we enter into prayer, remember we have enemies and they're going to attack. You get distracted, you focus back. Pray a little bit beforehand. Pray during prayer to be more focused on the Lord. But don't ever let it discourage you. Discouragement is from the evil one. Discouragement is not from God. God loves all your effort. Just imagine the little baby who's trying to stand up and walk for the first time. Like you walk, they bounce back down. They walk, they bounce back down. Like, parents, what are parents doing there? They're just like, goo, goo, gaga. You know, I mean, they're totally lost their minds in those moments, right? They're just so, in, they're so enjoying watching the, the, the beautiful little baby try and try. And that's kind of what we're like in prayer. We're, we're little children. And the Lord loves to see us try to be with him. And as, the more we do it, the deeper we kind of go in there, the better we get at avoiding distractions. Also, what is called remote preparation, right? So ways to prepare ourselves to be less distracted internally. More silence in our life, all right? Uh, one time I did that, Exodus 90 for, for men. So it's 90 days and it's all these ascetical practices of like no snacking, fasting on Wednesday and Friday, cold showers, on and on and on. Like all these penances and things, it's rough. Um, but man, was it good for my prayer because I didn't watch television. Uh, I didn't, I like, I was offering all these physical penances and things and they weren't that hard. The hardest thing was the cold showers. Oh, it's horrible. I wonder they didn't shower back in the middle ages. <laughs> it's like, like it was really, really cold. But so I, I, I learned how to do it by, I'd get in there and it'd be cold and I'd be like, oh, and then I'd remind myself, like, you know, he, he was scourged for you. Like, I think you can stand under some cold water for a minute. And I would do that. I'd offer it as a prayer. Lord, this is for you. And I'd get under there, and it got to where it wasn't that bad, right? It took, took a while, but it got to where it wasn't that bad. But those practices, like any type of sacrifice, uh, especially getting rid of the television or phone leading up to prayer or lessening it, lessening it over time, will help your interior life be more focused, right? It's like a prayer, like you're praying, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, 
Yeah, so um, when I get distracted in the moment, so let's say, for instance, when I usually when I first enter into prayer, and I've already prayed to try to focus, and then I enter into prayer and like the laundry list of all the things that I need to do at the parish and in my life comes to me. And I was like, oh, great. Put it over to the side. I write them down. I'll do it later. Right? Get it out of your mind, first of all, because sometimes maybe that's the... That's a, that's a helpful thing for me. Like it could be seen as a distraction, but also it's like, now I got a whole list of the stuff I need to do. All came to me at once. And then when I get distracted during prayer and I finally recognize it, like sometimes you'll drift around for a bit and you won't recognize it. Don't worry about it. Once you recognize it, uh, then I just say, Lord, help me to refocus on you. I, wanna, I want to be focused on you. So I just speak like, I just talk to him like he's right there in front of me, because he is. I just say, Lord, help me focus on you. He's like, well, focus on me then, you know? He speaks to me the same way. He's kind of, he's kind of a smart aleck to me. I don't know. But he kind of takes on my personality sometimes. No, no, don't. You don't have to go back and start over again. That will cause all kinds of anxiety. So when in the middle of her prayer, she'll be praying, and then all of a sudden you like come back to, and, and you're like, oh man, I'm like on the fourth joyful mystery, and I just remember starting it, right? Something like that. Yeah, you don't need to go back and start over. Like offer it all to the Lord. Lord, I was distracted in these things. I bring it all to you. And I finish with gusto here in this last mystery, so to speak. Like, uh, I give you all my heart here. Help me to do it as best as possible. See, I don't think the Lord, that the evil one wants to do is discourage us so that we don't pray anymore. It's like, this is just too hard. I can't focus. Like, anytime you feel that, just know that's not God. He takes the little bit that we can give him and he multiplies it. Uh, Actually, Mary, like, cleans it up and brings it to him and it's actually even better. So... Uh, you don't need to worry about that. You just keep distractions we will, we will always face. And so we keep getting better, learning the things that help us. Um, when, we're, when we find ourselves having been distracted for a while, I mean, I'll be honest with you, there are times I'm in prayer, and the next thing I know is like 30 minutes later, and I'm like, what just happened? Right? I'm, not, I'm like, oh, Lord, maybe it was just the, this time of rest that I, that I needed that you gave me. Like, Prayer is not about necessarily finishing or getting things done. It's about being with him whom you love. And he'll keep helping us get better. I'm not real good at praying. Like there, uh, I have prayers. I, I keep trying meditation and, and mental prayer, working on all that. But there are times when it feels like it wasn't very good. But then I remind myself, like, that's not how God judges my prayer. He judges my prayer by the fact that I'm here with him because I love him. Right. Grace? You mentioned earlier that you quickly ask your guardian angel. Mm-hmm. Do we all have our guardian angel or do you pray to a guardian angel? Yeah, I pray to my guardian angel. I just say, Guardian angel, help me to focus today in prayer. Hey, that's what he's doing. He's our guardian, right? You gotta put him to work. He wants some stuff to do. I mean he was really at work for a long time in my life, so I'm guessing he could use a little break occasionally, but 
Angels don't get tired. They don't have bodies, so don't worry about it. Like, he's, he's always willing. So I ask him for protection. I ask him for guidance and to help me with any distractions or things to keep me focused on the Lord. Um, yeah, well, you mentioned our followers of perfect prayer. Mm-hmm. I read an article about a year ago where Pope Francis was trying to change the mind, lead us not into temptation, to do not let us fall into temptation, because God will never lead you into temptation. Only Satan will lead you into temptation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the Our Father, lead us not into temptation, right? Um, and he had proposed, now, he, what he proposed was in the Italian version, uh, in Spanish. And, uh, but the fact is, like, we understand what it means. Like, God would never purposely lead us into temptation, but he does allow us to be tempted. And what the prayer really says is, don't allow us to be tempted beyond what we can manage, right? And that's, it's, a, it's an entrusting of ourselves to the Lord, knowing that these temptations that I face, which sometimes can feel overwhelming, if I trust in the Lord, he's not going to let me succumb or fall to them for eternity, right? So it's kind of a way of uh, growing in trust in him. Of course, he would never, uh, he allows temptations, right? Because he wants to make us holy through them. Just imagine, this, uh, St. Ignatius tells us this. The three reasons that God allows, like desolation, temptation. <clears throat> One is that we are moving away from him, and we need to be woken up in our lukewarmness, right? And so he allows these temptations that are like, oh, i got to get back to the Lord. i got to pray. Like, I can't do this on my own kind of thing. Another <clears throat> reason that he, he'll allow temptations is that... Uh, is that sometimes we can get so, or temptations or desolation, the experience of desolation, is because we can get so attached to certain things that are good, but also not God, right? He doesn't want them to become gods in our life. And then the other one is that uh, we should see that everything is a gift from him. So even temptations are a gift, even, and especially the the ability to fight against it and to overcome them is his gift. And so that I don't think it's, look how good I am, right? Because as soon as you do that, look how good I was. I fought off that temptation. Next thing you know, you're, you've fallen over, right? That's how, that's how it works. So it's always this humility of recognizing, ah, this is, this is God's work. Does that make a little bit of sense? It's a, I don't think it's a very good translation as far, but we, I'd hate to change it because it is similar to what the Greek says. Yeah, basically that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Don't let me be tempted beyond my ability and your grace. Keep me from the evil one. Father, thank you for bringing the devotion to our Blessed Mother on the first Saturday of each month. But it also leads me to the question, can you tell us a little bit about indulgences? It seems like there is a Yeah, so the question is on indulgences. Uh, just making sure they know my recording device. Um, yeah, so that was the whole thing with Martin Luther. 
right, in the 1500s. Um, and there were obviously people within the church who misused some of those things at that time. But that doesn't, but indulgences never went away. They're still a thing in the church. So there's a, every day we could um, receive a plenary indulgence, which means um, once a day we could, which is a, t- uh, which is like the full, is a total remission of a temporal punishment due to sin. You really opened up like this giant theological thing I'm going to try to put together here quickly. Um, what's, what's the, the uh, temporal punishment due to sin? All right. You go to confession, God forgives your sins, right? Uh, it's the similar thing to uh, the little boys that are playing baseball in their backyard. One of them hits the ball further than he ever thought he could, and it goes through the neighbor's window, right? And he goes over to the neighbor's house, and he's like, I'm really sorry, Mr. Smith. Like, I, I didn't think I could hit it that far, and what's Mr. Smith say? No problem, Johnny. It's all right. I forgive you. No problem. But somebody's still got to fix the window, right? It's still broken. Sin always has some effect on us. It leaves some mark on us. Uh, It hurts us in some way. And so even though God has forgiven and wiped out the sin, that temporal thing, that temporal punishment due to sin has remained. Indulgences were meant to help us to work that off. So it's connected with purgatory. Uh, Anytime we sin and say we have this... uh, sin that we commit over and over again, like there becomes an attachment to it. And purgatory is all about prayer preparing us to enter fully into heaven and nothing perfect enters into heaven. So sometimes we need to be uh, purified of these attachments and things that have happened throughout our life. Many of those will become, and to, and to heal the wounds that sin causes. And we, we know this. We know that there are sins that we've committed and specifically against others that we've experienced that even though there's a forgiveness there, there was a wound still in the relationship, right? And maybe takes time to repair. That's a little bit of what it is. It's this, uh, those indulgences by offering of prayers and such are meant to gain for us, where's indulgence that come from? All that Christ did on the cross, which is infinite. All that the saints have done throughout their life that built up that treasury of grace and love that God desires to pour out upon us. And our way of doing these prayers, which every prayer, there's got some kind of indulgence attached to it, is just a way that God gives us these things to purify us, to prepare us for heaven. It's his gift, right? It's the, his infinite treasure. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like you ever watch DuckTales? Remember, remember the Donald Duck, right? He had that big... Uh, building that he'd go dive into the gold coins, right? The big treasury. That's what God's got. He's got this treasury of grace that he's, he's won for us on the cross and he wants to pour it out. And so he, he connects those different ways of doing it with prayer. So he's like, hey, not only will prayer be awesome and change your life, but also I'll give you some other stuff too. I'll help you grow in holiness. You can offer those for the poor souls in purgatory. You don't have anybody to pray for them and can't pray for themselves, so that they enter into my joy quicker. By the way, have a great devotion to the poor souls in purgatory because who are they going to pray for when they get out of there? You, because you were praying for them, right? I love those poor souls. I'm praying for them all the time. I need all the prayers I can get. Right? I, I can't rely on myself. I need him. And so uh, that's, 
quick answer. It's a big, long, complicated journey of indulgences, but they're, they're still here. And so there uh, are great ways. Just here's what I do. I just tell the Lord, any indulgences that I receive or have gained through different prayers and practices in my life, I just say, Lord, they're all for the holy souls in purgatory. Do with them what you want. And then I don't think about it anymore. I just kind of give it all to him. Yep. Yeah, temptation's not a sin, right? We got to remember that. Temptations are, uh, it's what we do with temptations that are either virtuous or sinful. Uh, so that's, the, that's always a good thing, that's a good point to remember with temptation, because Jesus was tempted in the desert um, to show us how to combat temptation, which we're going to face always, and it's to not negotiate with it, and don't dialogue with it. You just immediately speak God's word to it and move on. That's what he did, right? He just said, uh, the devil would try to quote something to him from the scriptures, always taking it out of context. And Jesus would just speak the word of truth to it and that would be it. That was over. That's what I do with temptations. Lord, I give it to you for the conversion of sinners. That's my prayer. Lord, I give you this temptation. Uh, uh, mine is just conversion of sinners. That's what I say. <laughs> it's, it's like stuck in my mind now. So I'll just wipe it away. Temptation's great. It helps us grow in holiness. It keeps us focused on the Lord. I keep having to ask him not to let me fall into that. But that's, uh, that can be a, a great little way of doing it. Somebody asked about doing the Divine Mercy Chaplet and the Feast of Mercy and all that stuff. And they asked for uh, confession you know, receive Holy Communion, go to confession and pray for mercy on that day kind of thing. And those are the gifts that you're given. Um, now, sometimes the question was basically like, I couldn't go to confession that day because there weren't confessions offered, but I went the day before. Is that fine? Yes. You can go anytime, uh, eight days on either side of that feast, as long as you're in a state of grace when you receive communion. So if, you're, if you need to get to confession before that to receive it in the state of grace they need to go before but if you're if you're fine anywhere on either side of that will count for the graces that are offered in that doesn't have to necessarily be that day the church is very merciful right there's there's a lot of leeway in those things uh anybody question i didn't get to okay i'm sorry i will uh finish we can we can do more questions and stuff. Did, did it help? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So prayer increases our intimacy with God and that ultimately changes us. The dynamics around us change, right? Our, our coworkers, our families, couples, family. What is your advice? Because I'm hearing a lot of couples that have different prayer lives and families that have different prayer lives. So that's changing. Although they're growing closer to God and intimacy, they're kind of growing further from one another. So what advice do you have to kind of bridge that gap and, like, for my family to get them, like, to things like this? Mm. Okay, so what, what do we do when uh, people have different ways of praying uh, in family or in relationships and stuff? Um, 
So, they're praying, but they're going further apart, right? If that happens, something's wrong. They're somewhere old Red Legs has got a, a knuckle stuck in there, right? He's, he is, he's the one who causes division. As we pray, um, we should, it should help us unite with those around us, except for when we're rejected by those who don't want to pray and don't want to know God. You know, that happens too. But if two people are sincerely seeking to follow the Lord, there should be a, a common uh, unity and growth in that with them. Uh, it might be a little messy in the beginning, but ultimately that when we love God more, we're going to love others more even in their brokenness. So maybe there's a forgiveness thing that needs to be worked on there. Um, because if there's unforgiveness in any of that, that's where evil one kind of puts his claw and he has, he has the ability to harass in that. And so when you go through forgiveness, you close up that doorway, then you'll, you can start to see a movement closer together. Uh, anytime I see division or any of those things, I look for, where's an open doorway here in somebody's life that is allowing him to cause division? And as soon as you can see it and find it and begin to ask the Lord to eradicate it, whether that's through forgiving others or this or that, uh, you will see an immediate difference in relationships. That's, uh, so, always looking for him, but ask the Lord to help. Let us finish because we could probably be here all day. Hopefully I answered some questions. And send me emails if you do answer a question and get answered. We'll, we'll put it to, I'll, maybe I'll put it on, I'll answer it and put it on the, the website. I want everybody to, to kind of begin to feel comfortable in like growing in their own prayer. So if I didn't get to it, I'm sorry and we will. We'll do some more. I'm fine with that. Let's pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your life, for your love, for your grace. Bestow upon us all that we need to grow in our prayer life. Bestow upon us that uh, grace of purification of our image of you. Help us to fight distractions and temptations. Help us to always trust that What may seem like feeble prayer to us is always pleasing to you because of who has offered it, your child. May you pour out your blessing on each and every person here and their families, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being here.